0: God, we love you and we worship you. God, we thank you so much for all the good things you're doing in our lives. God, there's so many distractions going on in our life, you know, with the election, um, with the weather, with the pandemic and everything else, God. And there's so many ways that we could be distracted even today. But God, help us put everything off to the side. Help us be able to worship you without any distraction. Help us be able to receive your word, God, without distraction and help us apply it to our lives. God, you are good in every way, and so I thank you for everybody here, and we just praise you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So again, we are in our church on mission series, and what we're doing is we are putting to bed our J-Road's old mission, which is really good, but it's... Uh, loving Jesus, loving people, transforming communities, and we're coming up. We came up with a new mission that really shows us which way, what we should be doing, and where we should be going, and it gives us a lot more clarity on all of that stuff. And so, I'll just give you a brief rundown of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, if you missed it, and you know, I'll get everybody up to speed. So the the mission is broken up into three parts. Okay, the first part is reaching the lost. We talked about that two weeks ago. Reaching the lost is now part of our mission. It's going to be something that we really want to push for, strategize around, because Jesus said, you know, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of, and women too. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'll make you fishers of men and women. Like we should be going out and reaching folks for Jesus and if we as the have church haven't been doing that well, we need to learn and figure out a way to do that well. Because there is a ton of people in Muskegon that need Jesus, and we want to equip our people to do, to go out there and reach them. If you look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16 up here, it says this: And Jesus said to his disciples, "Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned." And because Jesus said it, it's obvious that this needs to be part of every um, church's mission. It needs to be a part of every church's mission. It needs to be a part of every church's direction. And this is where we need to go. Because it mattered to Jesus and it should matter to us. He wants us out there reaching lost people. So we figured we wanted to specifically lay that out in our mission. Not be vague about it. Because we know loving people in the past was part of, like part of that is like reaching the lost. But now we want to be crystal clear that we want to go out and reach the lost So we developed a strategy around Reaching the Lost, and that is um, we want, like, part of that is we have these reaching services a couple times a year. The next one coming up is the Ugly Christmas Sweater Sunday. We're going to print off cards for you guys to invite your friends. We're going to be praying over that service. We're going to be making that service very um, friendly to people who don't know Jesus and also be sharing the gospel in a crystal clear way that Sunday. We're also going to be equipping the church to reach their friends and family better with our Equip You events and things like that. Also, like, we just have this heightened consciousness that we need to be reaching the lost. That's why Echo went out this past week and went door to door and invited people from Steel Neighborhood to our church because it's a priority. That's why, like, we have a J-Road food pantry, and, you know, somebody stopped in out of the blue last week. And the J-Road food pantry, it's, it's a way that we serve our community, but we also use it as a tool to reach people who don't know Jesus, so hey, if you're coming here because you've fallen on hard times, we want to help you, but we don't want to send you away without asking like this hard question of like, hey, do you go to church anywhere? Okay, do you know anything about Jesus? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. And so we use it as a tool to meet their needs, but also introduce them to Jesus. And so we were able to do that last week as well. We also have every 12th where we reach people who don't know Jesus. And... Um, We want to make it a priority to reach people for Jesus. But we also want you to do it too. And so we have this goal by 2025, we want to reach 5,000 people for Jesus. We are going to track that goal. You guys will be able to see it every Sunday out in the lobby. And so people have already been coming to me and saying, hey, I shared Jesus with somebody. Where do I write this down? We'll give you a place to write it down soon in the next couple weeks, and we'll keep track of it every week, and we'll add to that total Every week, So you guys can be excited about it, we can celebrate it, and we can know that what we're doing here at J-Road isn't just playing church. We're not just gathering on Sundays to have a social club, but we're actually doing something where we can track the progress. And I don't know about you, but that excites me, and it excites me to, to celebrate that with you. So the first part is reaching the lost. The second part is equipping the found. That's what we talked about last Sunday. So reaching the lost, equipping the found. So the main theme of that last week was we need the church to mature in Christ. We don't want the church to get saved and come to church and just stay there. And what we, the word we used is to stay baby Christians. We want us to grow up in Christ and be mature in Christ. And um, that's one of the main things the church has to do is equip the church to be the church. We don't want to stay where we're at. And one of the verses we shared was Ephesians 4.14. In that verse it says this, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. In this other verse that we read, it says, hey, you guys should be, he said by now you should be eating steak dinners and you're still nursing with your mom. So he's like, you got to be as a church, you got to be growing in Christ. We can't stay there. Okay? So I'll say this. The church does equipping the lost fairly well. Like, traditionally, where we're from, the church does equipping very well. And oftentimes, the church neglects the other two parts of our mission. Because we want more, like we want to be fed more. Like we get fed Sunday morning, we get fed in missional community, and we just want to be fed, fed, fed. And so that's really good. But part of equipping is not just equipping so you learn more in your mind. Because we know from the Pharisees, more head knowledge doesn't equal more effectiveness for the kingdom. Just knowing more stuff doesn't do anything. It's how you apply what you're learning. So we don't want us to be stay baby Christians. We want to grow. And we also talked about the three levels of spiritual growth that I derived from another theologian. But the three levels are this. are um, A baby Christian who needs fed. None of these are bad. It's just bad if we stay in one forever. Like Jesus wants us to mature in our walk with him. And so... The baby Christian is you're new to the faith. You need somebody to feed you. Like the only way you're getting fed spiritual things is in Sunday morning service or in your missional community. And without Sunday morning service or your missional community, you're not being fed. And if those things go away, you're not going to make it. And so the next step is what we call the tween Christian, to be funny, but like the in-between Christian. is uh, Tween age is like they can feed themselves So they they not only need fed by the church, but they could also feed themselves. So if hard times come and you need to walk and and wake up in the morning and read your Bible and pray, you're able to do that on your own. Because you've reached the level where you were taught and you feel like I could stand on my own two legs. You know what? If I go to this party, I don't need somebody to tell me what to do and not to do. I can kind of walk on my own. I kind of develop discernment. And then mature Christian is somebody who could feed others. I could actually feed, like, my, my children. I could teach my children. I could teach my friends. I could disciple people in the church. I'm, I'm discipling people at Echo. I'm discipling people in kids ministry. I'm walking alongside of somebody. So these are the different stages. Again, I'm not saying anything negative about each one. Only that we do not stay in one forever. We don't stay here forever, and we don't stay here forever, but we always strive to get to a place where we could not only feed ourselves, but we could also pour into others. That's the goal, and that's what we want our people to be. And so we we try our best to make sure our missional community leaders are in a place where they can feed themselves and they can feed others. But chances are, if somebody says, hey, I want to be a missional community leader, I have to make sure, are you feeding yourself correctly? Like, are you able to walk on your own two feet in this world? Are you able to, like, pray on your own? Are you able to, are you able to walk on your own? And if you can't, if you can't feed yourself, chances are you're probably not feeding others. And the people that you lead are going to be struggling if you're struggling in that area. So that's like, we're not being legalistic, like you have to be a perfect person. I just got to know you can walk on your own. Like you can walk on your own without um, falling away. And that's why we said it's so immensely important that people know how to feed themselves and they get to this stage because if we ever get to a position where there's another outbreak of some sorts and we're in another lockdown state and church or missional community aren't an option for a season, that we could be able to like get on and watch the live stream. We could get on and like, feed ourselves during that time. And we offered resources as much as possible for people to connect with during that time. You remember, like, we had the Wednesday night, we had the Tuesday night, we had the Thursday night, Zoom, we had three nights a week for a while. And uh, we were trying everything we could, but that also required you guys to get on and be able to, like, interact. And, I mean, we could do, like, Nancy can get on and lead worship on Facebook Live, but you have to get on and say, hey, you know what, this is weird, I'm in my living room, but I'm gonna worship. (laughs) You didn't have to be in a church to worship. And so I feel like this is where the stage we want to be with everybody, that our life doesn't get wrecked if we have to stand on our own for a period of time. So what are we doing for equipping? First of all, the church is very good at equipping. So we have Sunday morning service. This is very much an equipping service. Whether you believe it or not, right now you're being equipped to be the church. That's what Sunday mornings about, being equipped to worship. Um, missional communities are one of our main equipping ways. There's a a discipleship aspect to missional communities. So if you're not in a missional community and you want to be, let me know and I'll try to find one for you. We could even start a missional community mid-year. But we want everybody, every adult to ultimately be in a missional community. The other one is teams. We have all sorts of teams around J-Road. We want everybody to be on a team where they're serving and using their gifts. And there's... Um, the other one we just started is called Equip You. So let me show you guys a quick graphic of this. Equip You is happening November 2nd. It's going to be three weeks in a row. And the, so we're going to do Equip You events all throughout the year. And Equip You is like specific targeted events to equip the church to be the church. We've already thought about what we want to teach at these events or what we want to showcase at these events. So the first one is going to be discovering your purpose. So it's discovering what your strengths are, what your spiritual gifts are, and how you could use them in the church. And I I promise you this event will be so good at just realizing what you're good at, what your strengths are. And so um, we're encouraging people to join this. And then by the end of this, we want to encourage people to sign up for a team if they're not already involved in one. But not just be like, hey, you don't know what team to get on, let's just put you here. But after we discover your purpose and what specifically you yourself are good at, we'll place you in a team that's like best fit for that, right? Because if you're really like not a type A, um, outgoing, bubbly personality, like maybe like the door isn't the best, place for you. Maybe there's other places that are behind the scenes where you could thrive in and not feel like you're not doing a good job. And so part of this purpose is you actually you taking tests and you taking things to discover what makes you unique. So we want all of you er, people to sign up for that. We'll give you guys a sign up for this coming up, but we'll do a number of Equip You events throughout the year, and we're really excited about it. So we have Reaching the Lost, Equipping the Found, And we have this way of equipping the found. And so just like we have 5,000 people we want to reach for Jesus, we set a goal for equipping 2,000 people for ministry. So how are we going to count that? We talked about this last week, but people that are new to missional communities, we will count towards that goal. So people that sign up for missional communities and get involved. Right now we have 82 people in missional communities, which is a really good start. But we ultimately want every adult to be in a missional community. And we, and every time a new person signs up on a J Road team, they'll be counted to that number. And every time somebody signs up for Equip You and completes Equip You, we'll count that as well. But we won't double count people. So like you, Lori, you might go to three Equip You events throughout the year. We won't count that three times. But once somebody new takes an Equip You event, we'll count that as well. As like, hey, we're equipping people. Like people are being equipped here at J Road. They're not just going through the motions. So. Um, We'll let you guys know when the sign-ups for this starts, but just mark your calendars if you want to do this. It's going to be November 2nd. Sound good? You guys tracking along good? All right. So reaching the lost, equipping the found, and the last part of our mission, if you haven't guessed already, is sending the willing. Sending the willing. So we want to reach people for Jesus. We want to equip people for ministry. And then we ultimately want to send people out on ministry. Okay, that looks like, I'm not saying we're going to send everybody out and then we'll have nobody left. But what I'm saying is at some point, whether in a tiny way or a big way, we want to be sending people out on mission. Short mission, every 12th counts as that. Um, Every Sunday we send you out to be the church. But we want to make sure the church is being sent and the church is being pushed. So the mission in a short version is reach, equip, send. Reach, equip, send. That's the short version, how you'll see it tracked. And when we have our place where we start counting our goals, we will have a goal for reaching, which is 5,000 people. We have a goal for equipping, which is 2,000 people. And ultimately the goal for sending will also be 2,000 people by 2025. So 5,000, 2,000, 2,000, and we'll, we'll track this each week, and we'll have it updated as much as possible. So it requires me to tap into the administrative side of my gifting, which I'm not the most administrative person, but we as a church collectively will be counting these things, and you guys will be sharing it as well. So reach, equip, send is a cycle that we should be on that as a church we never stop. So we reach people for Jesus, let's say it's a new person, they get saved, we equip them how to be the church, and then we send them. Well, what do we send people to? We send them to reach the lost, and then we equip the found, and then we send them again. So it's ultimately like a cycle that the church should be always doing. Reach, equip, send. And so that is the heart of our new mission. And it gives specific clarity to where we're going. We want to be a sending church. I heard it said that a church shouldn't be measured by its seating capacity. It should be measured by its sending capacity. So, we don't want to be measured by how many people come in here in a morning. We want to be measured on how many people we're actually sending out for ministry. How many people in the church are using their gifts? Or how many people are just sitting back and, and not? And it doesn't also have to be using your gifts at a specific J Road function. If we get the church to use their gifts in other ways, I don't care if you're helping out at Kids Food Basket, the, Help, the Hope Project, Family Promise, like there's a ton of places people can use their gifts. And we'll feel like, man, the church is being sent, we're not being confined. We want the church to be sent. We want to be a missional church. And so we want to push our partners to be the church. And I've said this before. If you become a partner J-Road, you're going to be pushed out of your comfort zone. We're going to be pushing you, having awkward conversations. I've had three awkward conversations this week with people. Whether it be like, hey, what's going on? Um, how are you doing? Like, wh- where have you been? And it's like, I- I'm cool. Like, if people are watching online, that's perfect. If, if they're just navigating the season that way because it's best for their health and their family, that's cool. But people who aren't online, they're not in person, they're not anywhere, I'm going to try to track you down and ask you, where the heck have you been? (laughs) And don't be offended, but I'm asking you because I love you. If my wife didn't show up, you know, for a couple days, I'd probably be asking where she is, and if I didn't, she'd probably think I didn't love her, right? (laughs) And so when when people at J-Road just disappear, and I'm like, hey dude, I know your partner, I just want to ask, are you going somewhere else? I'm not offended. I'm not going to cry my pillow tonight over it, but I want to know, are, are you going somewhere else? They're like, no, I'm not going anywhere else. I said, well, if you're not going anywhere else and you're not going here, are you in this limbo of going nowhere? And they're like, yeah, kind of. Uh, I'm mad at somebody, so I've just been home for like a couple months. Hey, Matthew 18 specifically, if so your brother sins against you, go and tell him your fault. So it's on you, you got to tell him your fault because it says that in Matthew 18. Have you done that? No, I don't think it's time. Well, there's never going to be a good time. Follow Matthew 18. Tell that person that you're upset with them. Come back to church. We'll all be all all set, right? (laughs) But if we don't ask these people this, if you guys don't ask, like, hey, where you been? Or what's going on? You know, we're never going to grow as a church. It's going to be this church. And all is around this thing of love. I ask because I love. I'm not asking because I, like, want to just make sure our numbers are up a couple more people. I don't want to ask because we haven't seen their tithe. It's nothing about tithing or numbers. It's because you were coming here, now I'm afraid you've fallen off and you've just off the boat. I want you to get back on because we love you and we know that being far from Jesus is not good. So I ask people where they've been, but also we'll ask people to serve. We'll make the best to ask people to serve. Like, hey, you've we, been coming here a while. Like, we want you to get involved in a team. I know that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. We want you to be. Hey, we noticed that you've never been to an every 12th. We want you to serve at every 12th. If you think every twelfths are just horrible and you don't want to be a part of it, help join the every twelfth team. Help us make it better. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a place for everybody here to serve, and we want everybody here to find their niche. And so, we are going to be pushing people out of their comfort zones. So reach the lost, equip the found, send the willing. What do you think the enemy of reaching the lost is? The, okay, and now this is this is my take. Okay, you might not agree. The enemy of reaching the lost for a church is stealing sheep. (laughs) Anybody ever heard that phrase of stealing sheep? Like, hey, you know, I'm just going to offer a better church experience here at J-Road and hopefully other Christians in the area will leave their churches and come here because we do church a lot better than everybody else. Like, we don't want to be about stealing sheep. And if our numbers grow, I'm going to ask the question, are we reaching lost people or are we just snatching people from surrounding churches? Because we don't want to snatch people from surrounding churches because, they I mean, they're already saved. They're good. Like, we want to put our energy to people who aren't a part of a church, right? And then that's what you see, like, if people just come from other churches and they're like, hey, I'm trying out your church to see if it's my fit. We like our kids' ministry, but we hear your kids' ministry has, like, the frosted, like graham crackers, so we're checking you guys out for a little bit. Like, no, like, we, we don't want to be about that. We want to reach people who are dying and going to spend eternity separated from God the Father in a place the Bible calls hell. We're not about just stealing sheep from other churches. So it's okay. Like, if people go to another church, like, somebody comes into the food pantry and says, hey, I go to a church, that's great. You could still be blessed by our food pantry and we want to make sure that you're involved there and you keep going there. Um, but the enemy of reaching the lost is stealing sheep. Um, The enemy of equipping, what would you say is the enemy of equipping? Entertaining. The enemy of equipping, church equipping, is entertaining. Like, we offer a lot of entertaining things, and people are enjoying what we have to offer, but they're not actually being trained and equipped to go out and be the church. That's a problem. If you just say, like, hey, you know, I loved the worship, I thought the message was cool, but you didn't take it and do anything with it, then it's telling me that we're entertaining people and not actually equipping people. Like when you go to this Equip You event, you should actually leave with a sense of purpose so you can go out and be the church. And it's not just about, you know, entertainment or something that's a cool thought. And so the enemy of reaching the lost is stealing sheep. The enemy of equipping is entertaining the enemy of being sent is comfort. The enemy of being sent is comfort. It's like staying where you're at. It's like we get comfortable. I don't care who you are. This isn't a knock on everybody. We all gravitate towards comfortable. We all gravitate towards comfortable. I mean, what's more comfortable? Um, working out and like, like walking every day and staying healthy or not? I mean, we want to be in a better place Physically, but we don't want to put in the work to like actually be uncomfortable and you know walk or something like that. Um, the enemy fra- like so like there's exercising. There is if your marriage is in trouble, you could either just be comfortable in your bad marriage, or you can go to a counselor and get help. One of them is a lot harder but a lot of times it's just more comfortable. It's more comfortable to watch Netflix than to read a book. I'm sorry, but it is. (laughs) And if we're not careful, we always gravitate towards what's easy and comfortable than what's hard. And what's hard and what is uncomfortable is usually what stretches us. Honestly, we talked about the awkward conversations. Every time I have an awkward conversation with somebody, like, our relationship gets better, the church gets better, I get better, I get better at having the conversations. But I hate it. I hate having awkward conversations. Like if somebody offends you, it's really hard to say, "Hey, you know, Billy, what you said really offended me." It's hard for guys to say that. It's hard for women to say that. And we have to brush up against each other and have these difficult, tough conversations. But they have to happen if the church is going to have any progress. Because if we only do what's comfortable, we're never going to grow in our faith. We're never going to. Um, we're never going to grow. The church is never going to get stronger. And most of all, we get stuck in our comfort what? What's, what starts with Z? Our comfort? We talk about the comfort zone all the time, but we all have a comfort zone that, we're, that we operate in. And you get pushed, and like for many of you, and if you're first time to J-Road, going to J-Road for the first time is way out of your comfort zone, right? When you go to a new church, it's out of your comfort zone. It's weird, it's awkward, you don't know anybody, it's a little like sketchy. Are they going to bring a snake on stage and hold a snake? <laughs> Is somebody going to start speaking in tongues? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, I, I just don't know what to prepare for. But then once you go to church and you've gotten through that comfort zone, now you're here, we develop another comfort zone. <laughs> and then we have to bust that comfort zone. And hey, I, I need to get involved in a missional community. It's so hard to go from being a attender to a missional community person. Because now it's like, I'm going to somebody's house. What if they have a dog? What if they have a cat? What if their cat sits on my lap? And I hate cats. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just nervous. What if nobody talks to me? What if they're all friends? Like, like it's a comfort zone barrier to join a missional community. It's a comfort zone barrier to, to serve on a team, like our wonderful guys back there that are doing security today. Uh, you have to get up a half hour early. You have to be here. You have to, like, you know, schedule time. You don't get to be in here for the whole service. And so... All these times, what I'm saying is we develop a comfort zone and God wants us to break it. We develop a comfort zone, God wants us to break it and get pushed outside of our comfort zone. And that's good. Let me tell you guys real quick, um, I'm going to end our time here by reading scripture in this story. Let me see how we're looking. Oh, we're looking great. Um, I'm going to end our time by reading this story from Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 7. So if you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 7. We'll also have it on the screens if you didn't bring your Bibles, that's fine too. But what we see here in Luke chapter 10 is Jesus planned a missions trip. Anybody here ever been on a missions trip? Raise your hand. I've been on a couple. Um, I went to the Bronx in New York City as a missions trip there when I was uh, a youth leader. I went to the Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee because there's a lot of poverty there when I was a youth pastor. Um, I went to the Green Mountain Project in the country of Georgia to just be there with those folks. And um, I've been on a few. Missions trips have to be planned very carefully. And you can either go on a bad missions trip, which is very chaotic and confusing, or you can go on a good mission trip that's well planned. This mission trip that Jesus planned, if it wasn't for Jesus planning it, you'd probably say is the worst missions trip you've ever heard of in your life. <laughs> You're like, Jesus, what are you doing here? Like, this doesn't sound like a very good mission trip. So let me share with you guys. I'm going to read the whole story, then we'll unpack it, okay? So, slide guys, you don't have to click through this. I'm going to read through it, and then we will go back. So in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Okay, that's like the first red flag. Jesus said, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves or sheep among wolves. Verse 4, don't take any money with you. Okay, basically go with empty pockets. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag. Don't bring a suitcase. Don't bring a suitcase. Don't bring money. Don't bring an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anybody on the road. Okay, okay. So you're going on a mission trip for an extended period of time. I don't want you to bring any money. I don't want you to bring any luggage or extra shoes or extra clothes. Okay? Verse 5, Whenever you enter someone's house, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, then the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide for you. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. I don't know how you guys would feel, but if I sent you out and said, "Hey guys, you guys are all gonna go to Detroit for a couple of weeks," I don't want you to take, I don't want you to pack anything, or I don't want you to bring any money with you. I, I probably wouldn't get anybody to send, <laughs> except for some people who are like extremely radical and you know are like, okay. But for everybody else, if Jesus sent us on the same type of mission trip, we'd probably say no. We'd probably say no. This isn't for me, Jesus. Like I, I don't want to be sent in this way. So this basically is a story about Jesus sending people, or sending the church out to be the church. Um, so let's go back to verse one. Verse one says this: The Lord now chose seventy-two other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that He planned to visit. So this is a trip to say, Hey, I want you to go here ahead of me and tell people about me, prepare the way for me, and start spreading the news about Jesus, and I'll be there a little bit later. So he sent them on mission. But the first thing I notice in this is he sent them in pairs to all the towns and places that he came to visit. There's a principle that you guys can learn here is that we as Christians are never meant to do life alone. As I said this before, isolation is one of Satan's favorite tools in his tool bag. Isolation away from the church is always negative. That's why when we have people do ministry, we never want people to do ministry alone. Like, the best of that we try, if you're a greeter, we want you to be with another greeter. If you're a security person, we want there to be a couple security people. If you're out there doing parking lot, we'd like there to be a couple parking lot people. Like, we don't want anybody to be alone. But also in our Christian walks, it's never good to be alone for an extended period of time without the church. Without any type of, because the church holds you accountable. The church says, like, without this accountability or without people in the church in our lives, we are so likely to go astray in our lives. I don't know about you, but I, make, I would make a lot of bad decisions, and a lot of times people have to say, hey, that's probably not the best course of action, and they open my eyes to the error of my ways. And it's the same way with all of us. So we um, need to be together, and so when we send people, we'll never send somebody out alone. Jesus doesn't want anybody to be alone for an extended period of time. Verse 2, were, this were, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. So this was their mission is they wanted to go out to all these cities, tell people about Jesus, and get more workers. So he's saying before you go to do your mission, you have to pray. And I want you, before you go out and use your good words or your, your awesome Bible training or whatever you do, I want you to pray first. And so I ask before we do any mission as a church, before we do any task, are we bathing that thing in prayer? Or are we just running full steam? And a lot of times, early on in ministry, I've done a a project or I've done a mission or I've done something as a church and it failed. And I've asked somebody over me at the church, I said, What did I do wrong? Like, should I have sent out letters earlier? Should I have got more volunteers? Should I have got donuts for this? Like, and oftentimes my mentor will ask, how much time did you commit to praying for this event? I'm like, well, I advertised it. I got the workers. I trained them all. I sent out letters. He's like, no, I'm not talking about that. He said, how often do you, how much time do you spend praying before this event? I'm like, well, I, you know, here and there. (laughs) He's like, you didn't spend the hard work of praying for this. You just spent all of your energy doing what you could have, and like you didn't bathe this thing in prayer. And what he's saying is, is you didn't depend on God for the fruit of this ministry. You depended on yourself. So when we do every 12th, I could do as much as I can and plan as much as I can and do the best I can in my own ability, but if I don't depend on God for it, it's going to be a failure. Right? And if we don't Trust in God and we're not praying to him. It doesn't matter how good we are. I think oftentimes with church leaders, we try to figure out the best new method for reaching people. We try to figure out the coolest way people are doing church. And what we've forgotten is is it's all about dependence on the Lord. And if we're not putting our dependence on God, we fail the event no matter how good of a job we've actually done. And behind every successful ministry, there's a great prayer ministry. That's why as a church at 1015 after this service, we have the Sunday morning prayer gathering that's gonna be every Sunday at 1015. That's not the sexiest ministry we have at J-Road. That's not meant to like be anything other than seeking the Lord about, hey God. this is our biggest ministry day. Help us be the church. Help Echo be the church. Help Kidsmen be the church. Help the church be the church and pray for each other. So all they're doing there is praying for you guys and praying for the church. It's a very important ministry. But if we're not praying, we've lost before we started. That's why also on our Reaching Sunday, on Ugly Sweater Sunday, we're going to give you guys cards, but we're going to spend a lot of time praying for the people that you're going to invite to our Reaching events. Because Before you even invite them, God goes before you and prepares their hearts to say yes. So we pray for the people we ask before we even ask them. Okay, verse 3, Jesus says, Now remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. He's saying that being sent isn't always safe. Safety was never like one of the Ten Commandments. Like, make sure you go out safely. Like, we want to go out responsibly. We want to go out and use wisdom. But there's always a risk of failure. There's always a risk of danger no matter what we do. And I think this speaks to, like, Maybe like early on at J Road a few times where we've done a missions project like downtown and people were scared downtown. They're like, you know what happens downtown, don't you? And it's like, we know what happens downtown. Like, number one, downtown's a much different place. It's much more bougie than it was 10 years ago. But even if we were to go to the heights and like, uh, you know what happens to the heights. Now, if you're from Grand Haven, everything north of the bridge is like a war zone. So you don't understand like we here do. Um, <laughs> Just kidding, Bruce. I know that you're solid. And Bridget, you guys are solid. (laughs) You guys ate in Muskegon? Oh my gosh. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But there is this like theory of like, if we do ministry, somebody's going to shoot us when we're in a certain place doing ministry. I get that we need to be responsible. I'm not going to go out at like midnight and knock on people's doors. It might not be the most wisest time to do so but I'm not going to be afraid to do what God has called us to do. Safety is not something that, that should be an idol here at Jericho Road Church. Responsibility, yes. Wisdom, yes. Safety is not something. Like with my kids, my job isn't to protect them, it's to prepare them. And some people are like, it's all about protecting our kids, protecting our kids. Protect. Like, okay, we want to protect our kids. If I protect my kids, I eventually put a bubble around them where they never experience how to stand up on their own. I want to prepare them. I'm not afraid for my kids getting bullied. It's going to happen one way or another. I'm going to prepare them how to respond when they get bullied. I'm not going to try to prevent them from ever being bullied. Does that make sense? And so I want to prepare the church. I don't want to protect the church. Because if we protect the church, this will be our holy bubble and we'll never leave. Right? We'll never leave. And then we, like, we'll just stay here. And, and again, this has nothing to do with the Rona or anything like that. I'm not speaking to that. Um, because there has to be some responsibility, and I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about in general. There's going to be times where it, is, um, it gets uncomfortable. We have missionaries that are in um, northern Egypt. We have missionaries that are in Iraq. We have missionaries that are in Iran. We have missionaries that are in India. We have missionaries in these terrorist hotbeds, and if we worship safety, we would never send missionaries there as a, as a denomination right? Because it's not safe! Why the heck would they go there? They have kids. Why would we send them to Iran? It's not safe. We do it because the gospel is more important and safety is not our idol. Okay, that's all I want to say. And he said, I'm sending you hats out there, sheep among, among wolves. Okay, verse 4. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone around the road. When he says don't stop and greet anybody on the road, he's not saying be a jerk to everybody. (laughs) Like I like studied this. I'm like, why did he say that part? He's saying go about your mission. Don't stop. Just get get to where you're going and be about your mission. Don't stop and entertain people because when they entertain people on the road, it can really distract them from the mission and they could go off. And so he's saying get to the cities you're going to. So he's saying don't be distracted by material concerns. Don't bring money or clothes. I will take care of you. There are people here at J-Road that we've encouraged to come and, like, we've, like, searched out church planters. And as soon as they found out that we didn't pay buku bucks, they said, this is, like, this doesn't pay enough. <laughs> and, and I get that. Like, you, you need to be able to, like, live. But, like, church planting, like, a church planter, like, you don't do it for the money, right? <laughs> like, it's not a very prosperous career. And, um, and he's saying, like, God was saying here, like, I want you to depend on me and let me take care of you. When I came here, like, to be the church planter, I, like, we told Justin what we needed to make to, to even survive. Like, the bare minimum we needed even, like, to buy groceries and to keep the lights on and to pay housing expenses. And the pay package I got was 10000 less than I said we needed to actually survive. <laughs> and I just trusted that I'd actually get paid what I requested. And Justin was like, surprise! You know, and I'm like, well... So I didn't, like, say I'm not coming. I figured it. I prayed. I asked God what to do. I sent out support letters to family and friends. Like, I made it happen because I knew this is what God was calling me to do. And God sustained us every step of the way where we didn't go hungry. We didn't miss a beat. And, like, God took care of us every step of the way. And we didn't have to get to the point where we just said, and many times as Christians, if everything doesn't make financial sense, we say no. No. If everything doesn't fit in a nice, financial, pretty box, we say no. And God's like, hey, excuse me, I provide all the money. I'm the main money provider in your life. So when you're saying you don't trust that you'll be taken care of, you're saying that you don't trust me. And God's saying, I'll take care of you. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, right? Didn't somebody famous say that one time? If God's will for this to happen, he'll take care of you. And so here, like Jesus says, I don't want you to worry about money. I don't want you to worry about anything else. I want you to depend on me. And sometimes I'll use other people to make it happen in your life. And the last verse, whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If not, the blessing will return to you. Do not move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking, um, what the people provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. This last verse says, you don't know where you're going to stay, but you're going to stay somewhere. And I'll make sure you have a place to stay. So dependence, number one. But number two, this whole thing is going to be uncomfortable. When Jesus sent these people out, they weren't staying in their own beds. They weren't staying at hotels. They were staying at people's houses. This whole thing that Jesus did was pushing people out of their comfort zone, right? It's kind of Jesus' MO to push people out of their comfort zone. And this is one of my main points for today. Dependence on God is better than comfort. Dependence on God is better than comfort. It's better if we're in the place where we say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to depend on you. I'm just going to trust you. And that is better than comfort. Because comfort creates stagnation, and dependence pushes us to the point of true joy, true adventure, like what God has for us. Dependence is good. And many times we think that dependence is bad. Like if I have to depend on God and trust in God where my next meal's coming from, where my next paycheck's coming from, I don't like that. And I'd rather be comfort. And God is saying dependence is always better than comfort. So if you're in a place in your life right now where your job is in limbo, depend on God. I'm not saying to just blindly trust God. I'm saying depend on God. He'll take care of you. If you're in a place right now where... Like you're looking at a checkbook and it's taking a hit and you're praying for that stimulus. Like just depend on God and trust in God. And if anybody has to make a decision like, hey, I'm choosing comfort over my family so I'm gonna work like, you know, 100 days a week and I'm never gonna see my family. In a sense, we begin to worship comfort. Then hey, I might make a little bit less money but I wanna choose dependence over comfort and that's okay. Dependence is always better than comfort. So, if you stay at J Road long enough, we will push you out of your comfort zone. Worship team, you can come up here and get set up. I just have a couple more things to say. So, what's our strategy for sending? So, we know what our strategy is for reaching the lost. We know what our strategy is for equipping the found. So, what's our strategy for sending? Well, we have big steps and little steps. Okay. Every Sunday, I send you out, and I say go out and I say go out and be the church because I am sending you out to be the church. So when you guys go to your places of work or your school. I'm sending you out to be the church. That's number one. There's also every 12th. Every 12th happens once a quarter, but it's a little reminder that we are going out to be the church. I'm sending you out. Every 12th is exactly like this mission trip in, in you know, in verse 10, Luke chapter 10. It's exactly like this mission trip. So it's a reminder that we go out and reach people there's also missional communities, send people out. If you're part of a missional community, they go out and serve in different ways. We have nonprofit partners, which we want to start connecting people with so you could serve in the community in different Christian organizations. But the last is church planting. We as a church, we hired Michael Burroughs, the Burroughs family, to be church planters at J-Road. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be coming to J-Road. He's going to come on staff as our resident church planter in the hopes in a year from now, He will start a new church. So some of you guys will be on that core team to plant a new church. That's J-Road's way of making sure people are constantly being sent. Because if we send a chunk of you guys out with the boroughs, guess what? We'll need a few more of you guys that don't go to step up and fulfill roles here at J-Road. So... We'll either send people out, and then we'll ask people here to step up. So we'll be sending people out, ask people here to step up. It's all good. But if we don't plant and we don't send, then we are eventually going to get stagnant. And the new people that we reach in and reach for Jesus and we equip, there's going to be nowhere to send them to, right? Like people get saved, they get equipped, well, we're next. I don't know, every position's filled. Let's start a new karate ministry, and you could lead that. I don't know, like we don't want to do that. We want people, (laughs) everybody's laughing about karate ministry. We want to go out and start a new church. We eventually want to go out and start like five, six new churches so we can start and be the light where the light currently isn't. Where their youth groups can go knock on doors in their communities. Like we have missional churches all throughout. Like that's our heart. That's our goal. That's what we want to see accomplished. And we want to see 2,000 people sent by 2025. That means... First time every twelfthers. if you've never been doing every twelfth and you do it for the first time, we'll count that. Going out and serving at a, um, a nonprofit, going out with the church plant, all these we will count towards those special numbers of being sent out. And we want to see 2,000 people sent. So it's going to encourage people. If you've never done it every twelfth, we're going to push you to go out and do it every twelfth um, because it's important to us. Last verse, and then I'll pray. Romans 10. Paul said this in Romans 10. And I'm going to say it to you as a church. He said, how can they call on the one that they have not believed? It's talking about the world. People that don't know Jesus. People that don't know Jesus. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anybody preach without being sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So he's saying, how could anybody hear about Jesus if we don't send anybody out? And so this right here shows that our mission as a church needs to be a sending mission because there's people out there that don't know Jesus and you guys are the ones God wants to use to reach them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this mission of reach, equip, send. God, we want to be a church that reach. We want to be a church that equip. We want to be a church that sends. And we want to reach people that don't know you. God, I pray that this excites us and pushes us out of all of our comfort zones to be the church wherever we are in our lives. God, we know that each person here has a unique gift. They have a unique gifting by you that you want to use for your kingdom. So God, use us in that way. Help us be willing to be uncomfortable, God, and depend on you. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said,